0: Love radio. Hi everybody in uh Etheland, in Internet Land, uh in the great highway in uh wherever it is. Uh this is Dr. Simon and the stories we live by. And uh uh this is part two of the kind of destructive narratives that dominate the political discourse in the United States, increasingly like a kind of a juggernaut. Uh, And let me give a little background and history on what I want to say, Uh, because most of the world has never uh, thought in a way that permitted democracy to exist. The narratives uh, that still dominate most of the world and most of human history were um, what might be called sacred stories, uh, ideologies, uh, stories that can't be touched. Stories that satisfy the human need to feel as if we're in control of our lives and the world around us. Because nothing is more uh, anxiety-producing, disorienting as a situation in which we feel we're out of control, that the world is out of control, uh, that we don't have any feeling of power in our own lives. And um, what, what made the last few hundred years, particularly in the West, Western Europe and the United States, different than the sacred stories that most often say uh, that we have control over our lives if the gods are favor us. That is, there's a recognition, there's always been a recognition of being helpless and powerless uh, in the face of nature, in the face of death, in the face of all of the things uh, that can hurt us and damage us, uh, the enemies that might come our way and and want to hurt us and take away what we own and and uh, uh, kill and pillage uh, and enslave our families, again, I can go around in a circle and talk about why the very narratives that we use to feel we can control the world lead to enslavement, lead to dehumanization. Uh, but right now I simply want to talk about the fact that these, these uh, sacred stories, these ideological stories, which have historically relied on an external power, a power greater than ourselves, because that power uh, can do what we can't do. The power, the God or the gods or whoever or whatever, um, exists greater than us, that knows more than us, and if we can entreat or beg or supplicate or offer bribes or uh, offerings, sacrifice, we can get the power on our side, and we can now know what we need to know and exercise the necessary control to protect ourselves, to enhance our lives, and to do all of the things and provide the explanations to describe, explain, predict, and control. Those four elements uh, that that now we can live comfortably and go about our daily life knowing that as long as we can and exercise this control and protect ourselves, uh, all can be well. Uh, ask the people now in Japan how they feel about the control over their lives, and what we'll see is tremendous depression, tremendous levels of anxiety, because life there uh, has to be totally out of control. And who knows what ideologies or sacred stories uh, might come and arise in that area to give people a feeling that this won't happen again, or that if it happens again, they can uh, do things again. I should ask, uh, uh, add to this that most of the ideologies and most of the uh, sacred stories that exist in history and all over the world today uh, invoke magic. Uh, they don't deal with facts. They deal with the idea that if we wish it, it will be so. The whole basis of prayer is that the powerful God or gods will see the genuineness of our prayer Uh, how sorry we are for what we've done, Uh, will forgive us for our transgressions, and a power will be restored to us. Knowledge will be restored to us. And we will be back in control of our lives in such a way as to not experience the terrible anger and depression uh, and anxiety that comes with the, the dreadful feeling, the unacceptable, awful, and unlivable with feeling that we're out of control. What made things different in the West was the rise of rationality, uh, the Enlightenment, and especially the scientific revolution. What science did was say, we have to describe, we have to explain. Explanation will lead to prediction, and prediction will lead to control. But it did it with certain uh, caveats. And those caveats, when followed, produce a very different mindset uh, than the magical, sacred stories. In science, when it's right, when it's good, and often or most often it's not, there is no magic. There are no supernatural explanations. They're simply not allowed. Uh, To use the words of Daniel Dennett, the philosopher I I like so much, there are no skyhooks. Nothing comes down from above, magically uh, dangling to lift us, protect us. Uh, Everything that we know must start with a direct observation. And if the observation can't be made, when we we posit that something exists, it exists as theory, as a guess. And that guess can only be uh, valid as long as there is evidence to support it and no significant observable evidence, to refute it. And the rule of science, which is so rarely followed, uh, except by really good scientists, and here I mean just normal people, because there are lots of people who are good scientists in their own life, is that when they experience something that runs counter to the story they live by, uh, they change the story. The story changes to fit the needs of the reality, of that which is experienced. And that can be crushing for people. Uh, How many of you out there didn't believe in God and had some experience that made you believe in God? Or the reverse. You had been told that God or some political force or some power exists and then experienced something that said to you, this is not possible, I can't believe as I have been taught. This can be shattering, just as it is sometimes for scientists. Uh, As I was being trained in psychology, what dominated were various theories. And the theories, even though they were called scientific theories, Freudian theory and other psychoanalytic theories, behavior theory, uh, the medical orthodox theory of mental illness, all of these were theories that really rarely had any observable evidence to support it and the evidence really was asserted rather than discovered uh, or one could point a finger to it and there were all kinds of other theories that counted it which should have been dealt with that is, my theory is better than yours because of the following observations the following experiments and the following reasons no, uh, most of the psychological theories particularly the analytic theory said to those who were uh, uh, deviant in their attitudes and their beliefs, who were not uh, true to the orthodoxy of the greatness of Freud or perhaps Karen Horney or Harry Stack Sullivan or others from early part of the 20th century, were treated exactly as the church treated individuals who uh, ran afoul of the uh, sacred stories of Catholicism or Judaism or Protestantism uh, perhaps the scariest of all of these isms is Islamism, in which um, you you are put to death, just put to death, for disagreeing uh, with the word of the Prophet Muhammad, uh, a terrifying way for people to live, but in any event, um, what I discovered in my education is that the other evidence was not was not uh, uh, accepted, and you were called if you disagreed mentally ill. You were disturbed. Uh, when I began to talk the way I am talking in my series of blogs here at Blog Talk Radio, uh, I took all kinds of hits from people who were my friends, often behind my back. Uh, one day I listened to a conversation uh, in which I was told I, I heard I had a serious uh, authority problem because I did not accept the word of authority. Well, the fact is I do accept the word of authority when it makes sense to me and the evidence that presented um, um, is something that I can't refute and therefore have to live by. But the pressure of being called mentally ill for many individuals And many of you who are mentally ill, because you were labeled mentally ill, not because the actual illness exists, or disturbed, or or schizophrenic, or deviant, or whatever the hell word was used about you, uh, and and your mind therefore said, it has no validity, the story you wish to live by has no validity, Uh, it doesn't describe the world, it can't explain the world, it won't make any predictions, uh, and it will exercise no control. Therefore, you're out of control, and we have to control you. And I saw this over and over and over in my development as a psychologist and, and uh, was upset by this. Uh, increasingly found myself outside the field or working in the field uh, looking for people who I did find who would either be tolerant of me but who agreed Uh, For a long time, I belonged to an organization that I don't sure exists. It doesn't exist in the way it did when I was basically thrown out of it, in which I argued that if mental illness doesn't exist, if we're not really doing medical work when we talk to people, we shouldn't call it psychotherapy. Or since the the illnesses we're dealing with are metaphorical illnesses, uh, then the therapy is metaphorical. And uh, in the two books I wrote about this process, I put the words psychotherapy, therapy in quotes. Uh, It it still sounds psychotherapy when I say it, but if you look at the word, it's P-S-Y-C-H-O, parens, or or a a, a quotation mark, T-H-E-R-A-P-Y, close quote, or close parens. In other words, show that this is a metaphorical process, that we're not dealing in medicine. Um, listen, I didn't get a medical degree. How can I do medical you know, uh, medical procedures? Uh, but, but that's not how it exists. My license says I can treat schizophrenia uh, with the same uh, basic uh, verbal procedures as a psychiatrist. What they can do is write a prescription, and I could write the prescription if I took a course. They would allow me to write those prescriptions. I'm not sure where I live in Florida or in Iowa, but I know in uh, about 14, 15 states now, uh, that would be the case. Uh, Certainly if I was an Air Force or an Army psychologist, uh, I would be able to take the course uh, because everybody in the service now who comes home with so-called PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, a horrible diagnosis, people are sent into hell to murder and be murdered and when they come back anxious and frightened and can't get their mind around it and therefore have nightmares and, 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 and struggle to understand uh, what, what they, they don't understand uh, and who often are in the, in the throes of a disbelief about all of the ideologies that sent them into war because almost all wars are ideologically driven. Uh, God loves us best. Uh, they're the enemy. They're less than us. We can beat them. We must beat them. Uh, this war is a moral war. Death is moral under these circumstances. This is you, how human history has been written. When they come back and they feel, gee, that must be wrong. What I saw, uh, uh, what I dealt with, couldn't possibly, you know, uh, be moral. Uh, the murdering, the pillaging, the killing. Um, uh, that 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 causes a scientific revolution if you will an upset in the paradigm or the model or the narrative that person went to war with Uh, this all makes them mentally ill Uh, and rather than help them work through their ideas uh, more and more like like all disturbance like all unhappiness and depression let's write a pill for a prescription for it, give them a pill uh, lock them up uh, uh, and convince them that their mind is deranged, disordered, and sick because they no longer believe in God, believe in the patriotism, uh, the patriotic uh, uh, ideology and and sacred story that said, go forth and murder. And I'm not talking just about the United States. I'm talking about almost any country uh, or any group that goes to war when really the motive is power and money and wealth and to create a feeling of control, and also uh, uh, for men to prove their manhood and, and and make life feel like it's exciting and worthwhile. So, uh, this then uh, is, is good science versus bad science, and bad science, as I suggest, is all over science, uh, uh, but the good science says we don't believe it. It's a theory or a guess until we can observe it, And we have to take into account those arguments. We have to debate with those individuals who would produce evidence that runs counter to our uh, beliefs. Well, look at the political process now. Uh, you disagree, well, by the way, just let me if you disagree with the psychiatrists or the mental health people, they call you sick or mentally ill. If you deal with the church uh, or religion, you 're an apostate or you 're a heretic. If you deal and oppose a political narratives, political ideology, you 're a traitor. they 're all the same it 's just that the realm of discourse, the realm of fantasy is different. The realm of sacred story is different. But you're going to be called names, and brother, those in power, will come down on our heads in every way they can uh, if we become a threat to the existing order of things. Uh, I believe most people know bullshit when they hear it, but maintain that the bullshit is the good stuff only because they're terrified to believe even to themselves that it is crap because then uh, they will live in a tremendous state of anxiety uh, in opposition to others and live in fear. Again, you don't have to go back into history to look at the, the mass murder of those individuals who are considered a danger to the existing order. Just open up any newspaper and you will see it. Uh, and those of you who, who understand what I am saying... Um, uh, you understand it because you've experienced it. Uh, school, for example, should be a place where ideologies don't really exist, where sacred stories don't exist. Uh, for my notion, a good public school education could not be better And if it's public, uh, then science and the scientific method, the scientific attitude, uh, an artistic attitude that is open-minded and cosmopolitan, that allows for differences of opinion and rigorous debate and rigorous evidence to be presented, uh, methodologies learned, critical thinking learned, all of which is now under attack by those in power in this country uh, who control the existing ideology, as I, as I talked about it uh, to some degree last week. What is the ideology now dominating the United States? Interesting. This Since I did my broadcast last week, I saw a, uh, a documentary on uh, cable television that I saw was wonderful, and I have to get the book. I will get the book and discuss it at a future time, by Naomi Klein, uh, that deals with the present ideology that dominates the United States, that makes us an oligarchy, an undemocratic oligarchy, and that is the work of Milton Friedman. Friedman, and at the University of Chicago, and what uh, even they refer to as the Chicago Boys. Ever since Ronald Reagan became president, Milton Friedman's idea that free markets lead to democracy, and free markets and capitalism, unbridled capitalism, get the government out of all the businesses privatize Social Security, privatize the prisons, privatize the schools, privatize everything, so everything is a business that operates under the rules of capitalism, unbridled capitalism. This will produce the greatest degree of democracy. Uh, The problem is that if you study from, from Naomi Klein's point of view what has actually happened, when we've exported this to the dictatorships of South America, Uh, and all over the world, and from her point of view, and I know my point of view of what's happening in the United States, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, not because I don't believe in capitalism, or I don't believe in free markets, but I believe that they have to be tempered, that there has to be some opposing force, and the force that I see was really the government that uh, uh, was created during the time of Franklin Delano Roosevelt that said in addition to the military, uh, the power of the government can and should be used when individuals experience a tsunami or experience uh, um, something that is beyond their point of view to control and family and, and friends and community are not able on their own to help those individuals. Okay. Uh, Social Security was put in, Medicare started to exist Uh, Education uh, uh, began to get money from the federal government Um, Something that those in power, especially those who see unbridled capitalism as the answer Hate and are very close to undoing I never thought that the American public might either passively sit by uh, and destroy, let the unions be destroyed, um, and let the 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 uh, the uh, markets do what they have been doing uh, to destroy us in the last ten months, uh, in the last ten years, fifteen years. Um, but it's close. It's very close. Why doesn't the capitalism, unbridled capitalism? Uh, lead to, uh, to pure democracy, the best level of democracy. Certainly I'm not arguing for uh, unbridled socialism or communism or fascism although I think we're closer to fascism, whose definition actually is the, the uh, simultaneous desires of business uh, and government, that is government supporting business, big business, um, that is fascism. That's what happened in Nazi Germany. Um, uh, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think we could get there. Why uh, uh, doesn't this free market produce the kind of results that the ideologues who, who follow Friedman, the political, economic, and other ideologues? And the answer is because they talk about it in the abstract, and they don't bring in some psychology of the human beings who are actually uh, running the ship, so to speak, the bankers and the big lawyers and the politicians, or the totality that um, C. Wright Mills, wonderful uh, 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 sociologist who was labeled a communist and a socialist, uh, a traitor a heretic, uh, what he called the power elite Or the very conservative president, uh, Dwight David Eisenhower, uh, who from a historical point of view uh, looks better and better. Uh, Eisenhower, who warned as he left office uh, in in 1960, uh, he was president between 1952 and 1960, he warned against the military-industrial complex. Uh, that, That group of powerful individuals who... Believe that money uh, uh, and the amount of money you make defines your worth and your value because you always need something to show why you're better than others. And if make a million dollars makes you better than others, then a billion dollars makes you better. And if you don't understand the motive behind this, that what you're doing is trying to build your own esteem, that you're trying to be better than others, so that you can have that sense of control and power. And I should add, you know what, I'll do next week's show. The second great motive is not just the scientific motive, but the moral motive, that all human beings must feel they're good, that they're worthy of love, that they're admired, that they're respected, that they have dignity. And uh, most of us are raised not to feel we have a lot of that, because the ideologies that we're raised with tell us you do as I say, and not as I do, that we are lied to continually, uh, that the motto is, for most of us, in most homes, in most schools, uh, who are you going to believe, me, the authority, or your own eyes? It goes around and it goes around and it goes around. Uh, If you have a couple of teachers in your life who say to you, that was a good point, even though you disagreed with them, you were a very lucky student. Uh, many people who are artists and musicians, it takes an enormous amount of, of fearlessness, of, of willing to take hits, to come up with something new. Because the moment you come up with something new, uh, you will be attacked. Uh, the Buddhists say, the Buddhists say uh, that it takes a large army uh, to protect uh, against new ideas. And I think this is true. New ideas for most people are scary and dangerous because it means that their old ideas might be, uh, they might experience them as not working as well. Uh, And the sacred stories we're raised with and punished for, for disbelieving, uh, become, even when they're not worthwhile, even when they get us to act in ways that are against our interests, when therefore, in this case, what I'm talking about, present politics, even when they lead to the rich becoming richer, the powerful becoming more powerful, Uh, even when they lead to the poor becoming poorer, the middle class literally disappearing uh, under the weight of the lives they have to live, Uh, 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 even when that's the case, the idea of standing up and saying, my eyes tell me that you're wrong, uh, or going and finding the education or following those who disbelieve and incurring the wrath and the labels, the dehumanizing labels of those who have the most to lose if, if their ideas are, are attacked, if their ideas are no longer followed. Uh, I like today's show. I think I did all right today. I hope a lot of people hear this. And by the way, if you hear it, tell your friends. And if you hear it and like it, send me a message uh, or. Uh, uh, you know, uh, tell others that you saw heard a terrific show. I have a group of people who tend to follow me. I don't know where they are right now, because again, I haven't been doing this show uh, consistently. Uh, next week, I hope again to uh, uh, um, do another show, and it'll be called the uh, uh, the Destructive Stories of Present Day Politics, Part Three. Uh, although I did cover a lot of what I wanted to cover. I have two minutes left. Anybody want to call in, make a statement? It's uh, 646-716-7756. Okay, otherwise, goodbye, good day. It's cocktail time. Time for a little red wine. I'm going to marinate a nice steak, put up a baked potato, make a salad, uh, and have a little feast. Take care and goodbye.